0: So imagine that you're on a dating app, maybe it's Tinder, Bumble, Grinder for some of you. Maybe I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Uh, and you match with a guy or a girl, whatever you're into, and everything about them seems pretty sweet. You know, you have a lot of common interests. They're really charming. You get along with them really well, and you even go on a date with them, and At the date, you know, there's just something seems off and you don't really know quite what it is yet, but you do know pretty surely that this is not going to be, you know, a long term thing. And then you find out, you know, five, 10 years down the road that this person you went on a date with killed a lot of people over a period of time. And you could have been one of the victims. Uh, That was the reality for at least one person uh, in the 1970s. Um, Obviously, they didn't have dating apps back then, but they did have the dating game. And one person uh, came across the dating game killer. And you're going to learn about them. Well, you're going to learn about the killer, not so much the person that they went on a date with. uh, This week on Our Weird World. Our Weird World. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and uh, this week we're going back to serial killer land with the story of Rodney Alcala, uh, who operated in California in the 1970s. And uh, one of the nice things about you know, well, I, I didn't say nice. Uh, you know, one of the best things about living in California, uh, especially if you live in the Los Angeles area, is that you get to possibly be on TV shows if that's your thing and you like attention. Um, you know, you, pr- you can even participate in game shows and, and whatnot. And that's exactly what Rodney did. Um, and I know at this point I've kind of blown it up to make it kind of seem like this was his thing. Um, it's really actually just one small piece to an even larger story it's it's not like a signature thing or anything uh, it's just a very weird and unsettling detail uh of this guy's life so let's see the entire story now it's story time Rodney Alcala was born on uh, August 23, 1945, in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, after his father abandoned the family, Alcala and his three siblings moved with their mother to Los Angeles. Uh, pretty, had a pretty normal childhood otherwise. Uh, and at age 17, Alcala enlisted in the Army and worked as a clerk at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Four years later, though, he had a mental breakdown. Um, Sources aren't really clear on exactly what exactly happened, but he had a mental breakdown, went AWOL, and actually hitchhiked from Fort Bragg back across the country to Los Angeles. Um, when people or, you know when the military finally caught up with him, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder and given a medical discharge. Um, despite you know, the, the mental illness, uh, Alcal actually went on to graduate from the UCLA School of Fine Arts. Uh, in 1968, however, uh, this is kind of where everything begins. He lured eight-year-old Tally Shapiro into his apartment in Hollywood where he raped and beat her with a steel bar. Um, However, to avoid arrest on that crime, Alcala changed his name to John Berger, moved across the country, and actually attended New York University to study film under Roman Polanski, who, of course, you know, is known for his own child rape charges. Um, In 1971, Alcala raped and strangled a 23-year-old flight attendant in her Manhattan apartment, and again, to avoid arrest, uh, Alcala modified his name to... John Berger, again, uh, the only difference is originally he spelled it B-E-R-G-E-R, and now he just spelled it like hamburger, which apparently worked because he was able to get a job as a counselor at an arts camp in New Hampshire, um, which... You know, it's probably not the best job for him right now. Uh, But after the murder, the FBI actually put Alcala on their 10 most wanted fugitives list. And when some of the kids at Alcala's camp actually recognized him on a poster at the post office, uh, they alerted police and Alcala was actually arrested and extradited back to California for that rape of Tally Shapiro. Um, unfortunately, by the time he was actually put on trial for it, the girl's family had moved back to Mexico and refused to participate in the trial, which I, you know, if, if we're being honest here, made his child rape a really effective anti-immigration strategy. Um, you know, not sure if Republicans want to get on that train or not, but Hey, you, you don't want them coming into the country. I don't know, child rape, I'm kidding. I'm not condoning that. That's horrible. Um, (laughs) I should make sure I really make that clear. Like don't do that. Um, with no one, you know, with the family, not there to give a testimony. Al Alcala was given a lesser assault charge and served only 17 months in jail, uh, Which was thanks to uh, this indeterminate sentencing program that was going on in California at the time, which basically allowed parole boards to release prisoners as soon as they showed even the smallest sign of rehabilitation. And oftentimes that sign was more of just them faking rehabilitation and they would just go right back out and start committing crime again, you know, because California, Uh, two months after his release. Case in point, uh, Alcala assaulted a 13-year-old girl, and again, thanks to the same indeterminate sentencing, Alcala was released after just two more years in prison. In 1977, Alcala's parole officer let him travel back to New York City, even though Alcala was a repeat offender and a flight risk. Um, a week later, he killed Ellen Jane Hover, the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, the next year, Alcala was back in Los Angeles, and he actually had a job working as a typesetter for the Los Angeles Times. Uh, he was even interviewed by the task force working on the Hillside Strangler case at the time, but was ruled out as a suspect. Um And this just goes to show you just like how insane California was at the time. The Hillside Stranglers were, uh, or the Hillside Strangler was just another serial killer operating in the area, just one of many in the area at the time. Um, After, even though he was interviewed and ruled out as a suspect, he was arrested for marijuana possession and and spent a little bit of time uh, in jail. Uh, Once he got back out of jail, uh, Alcala picked up a new hobby, which was photography and rather than taking pictures of landscapes or, you know, some other normal thing you would take pictures of. Um, Alcala mostly took pictures of naked teenage boys, but he did throw in a few younger women just to make it seem like he was, you know, it was just for art. Um, this is where he also made an appearance on the dating game because, you know, a television show looking out for the safety of its contestants was just a preposterous thing to consider. Um, host uh Jim Lang at the time made things so much worse in retrospect when he introduced Alcala as quote a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of thirteen fully developed. Like, what like how are people allowed to get away with saying those things on television? Like that's ew, that's gross. But let's let's pause here and let's, you know, take a second. So we're Right now we're in the late nineteen seventies. And at this point, when Rodney Alcala makes his appearance on (laughs) the dating game, he has raped at least two underage girls. And I do believe he's killed two or three people at at just at this point. And he has spent, you know, multiple years in jail for his crimes. And yet, not only does he have a job at the Los Angeles Times, but he's just allowed to go on these game shows. Like there's no background checks at all. All right. So here's the, here's the even more insane part about his appearance on the dating show. He actually won the date with the show's contestant, Cheryl Bradshaw. Um, However, you know, after the show, she changed her mind and refused to go out with him because she thought he was creepy, which really says a lot about the other two guys she had to choose from on that show. And that rejection did not sit well with Alcala, shockingly. Um On June 20th, 1979, 12-year-old Robin Samso went missing from Huntington Beach. Her body was found 12 days later in a rural part of Los Angeles. And at this point, like Alcala is totally unhinged and he's just going to start killing a lot of people. Um, When Samso's friends told police that a man had approached them asking to take pictures of them, police developed a sketch based on their description and circulated around the area. Um, Alcala's parole officer, who clearly was not doing his job, uh, recognized Alcala in the sketch and let police know. Police then searched Alcala's mother's house and found a receipt for a storage locker up in Seattle. When they opened it up, they found Samso's earrings. Strange. um, And Alcala was arrested later that year and was sentenced to death for Samso's murder. Um, And I say, you know, he's unhinged at this point and killing a lot of people. This is the murder that he was uh, totally killed for or totally killed for that. He was ultimately arrested for, but you know, he had, you'll see here in a second, um, he had gone off between, you know, n- prior to his dating game appearance and between, you know, his rejection from the show and, you know, killing Robin Samsoe in 1979. Um, So, at this point, he is arrested and sentenced to death for Samsoe's murder. But because... California is probably the dumbest state ever when it comes to criminal justice. Uh, His death sentence was overturned by the California Supreme Court because they didn't know about his prior sex crimes. In other words, California took a man off of death row because they found out he was actually worse than they thought he was. And they didn't, you know, they didn't put him on like super death row or something, you know, super hardcore like that. They instead ordered a retrial in 1986 on the off chance that the charges might get overturned, which, you know, based on California's reputation, wouldn't be the biggest surprise. Um, instead Alcala was reconvicted and resentenced to death, but the ninth circuit court of appeals nullified that conviction because a witness couldn't support Alcala's claim that a park ranger had been hypnotized by investigators into finding Samso's body, just like the random dumbest details. And this dude continues to just live. Um, so while lawyers prepared for both sides boy- well bleh, 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 while lawyers on both sides tried to prepare uh, prepare for a third trial to try to get the charges dropped Alcala's DNA matched samples found at murder scenes of two other Los Angeles women which you know doesn't look good Uh And while this was going on, Alcala wrote a book and then filed two lawsuits with the California penal system, one of which because he wasn't provided with a low-fat diet. Like, the balls on this guy to not only just be like, yeah, no, we're just going to keep doing trials because, you know, the legal system, and I just you know, I didn't, I, I swear I didn't murder those guys. guys. And I mean the park ranger, you, you can't tell me he wasn't hypnotized and that's probably illegal. You can't do that. And now, um, you know what? Uh, I, I just, I, I wanted a low fat diet here in prison. And I think that that should be my human right to request specific foods after I've murdered people like get the, mm. all right. Anyway, like, like I'm just, I'm getting really annoyed uh, just by this guy's story. Um, after seven years, seven years of going back and forth over whether or not Alcala's third trial should include those new murders that where his DNA was found, his trial finally began in February of 2010. Um, by now, at this point, Alcala was being tried on five murder charges and decided to act as his own defense attorney, decided to act as his own defense attorney because obviously that works every single time. Um, he took the stand, and for the next five hours, he asked himself questions in a lower voice that he then himself answered in his regular voice. You know, it's just like, Rodney. Yes. Did you ever murder anyone? Um, no. No. Right, and then the uh, the prison system. They are not giving you a healthy, low-fat diet as you requested while these bogus charges are being considered. Yes, that's correct. That's why I should be allowed to walk free. And, like, it's like the whole thing is just a circus. Um, and here's the thing. Like, Alcala didn't even dispute the new murder charges because he claimed that he didn't remember killing anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um And then when all of that was over, it took the jury two whole hours uh, or not two whole hours, two whole days uh, before deciding to sentence him to death again. And so following that conviction, uh, police decided to release one hundred and twenty of over a thousand of Alcala's photographs in hopes that people would be able to identify the people, you know, the, the subjects in the photographs and what's crazy is over the next few years, Alcala was actually relinked or actually linked to additional murders in New York, California and Wyoming. Um, and although he's still on death row today, he just doesn't admit to any of this. And so at this point, police suspect that he is responsible for as many as a missing persons cases, which is that would make him like the most prolific serial killer of all time. Um, you know chances are he's not you know responsible for all 130 but the fact that he can you know be suspected in that many just shows you how prolific he actually was so there you go the story of rodney alcala um You know, quite possibly one of the most prolific serial killers of all time, but because he's stubborn and just a giant douchebag, um, you know, we may never know unless he, you know, confesses on his deathbed to something, but he probably won't. But so with that, let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, uh, if you want to solve the immigration problem in this country, um, it's actually not the, the rapists coming over that we should worry about. It's us raping them and making them leave. And again, I swear to you, that is a joke. Please do not go do that. Uh, number two, uh, game shows in the 1970s and maybe, I don't know, f- add still today, do not perform background checks on their contestants, obviously. Otherwise, Rodney Alcala would have never made it on that show. And uh, number three, if, uh, if Alcala ever admits to everything he's ever done, he could, be, uh, he could go down in history as the most prolific serial killer uh, possibly ever. Um, as he is linked to as many as 130 missing persons cases in three different states next week on our weird world uh this is this is going to be one of the weirder stories uh, but it's gonna be it's sad in a way but God, it's just so funny in hindsight. Like, oh man, like you'll probably feel bad for him to a degree, but just you can't excuse the things that he did. It's the story of Carl Tanzler, and you are going to want to stick around. Well, come back. Yeah, you're not sticking around. You're coming back next week to hear it. So thank you for listening. Again, tell all your friends. Seriously, just tell a friend. Like, here's the thing. Like, if you tell a friend, if everyone tells a friend, right the 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 show doubles in size all right and then if that friend tells a friend now it's like it tripled does it triple at that point i don't know i don't math wasn't my strong suit anyway tell your friends about the show all right because it's awesome obviously uh but always remember keep it weird